fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands. Often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. It's scary tales, scary tales, scary tales, scary tales. You want to tell the people what we're talking about today or who we're talking about today? So this was actually requested by someone on Instagram and uh, they, they wanted to hear, the people wanted to hear the story of Pinocchio. So we're giving the people what they want. Um, Hannah's pissed about it. I just didn't. I, I got very frustrated with Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I, you'll people, see why. The people that haven't heard the real story of Pinocchio, they're going to be confused as to why you're saying that. Cause, yeah, because the Disney's. They water everything down. And yeah. He's just In a the nice original knife. story, though, gosh, he's so annoying. Mm-hmm. I get really frustrated with him. So I, this week, read Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Well, and, what was it Chase, called? The Adventures of Pinocchio? The Adventures of Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Chase watched the film the other day, right? Chase didn't watch it, but he said that he loved this movie when he was little, which I don't understand, and he would watch it all the time. This is one that I was, it scared me, but it. Yeah, I I think it is, cre- the whole puppet mm-hmm. marionette. It's uncomfortable. Aspect is, is weird. Do you want to tell us about the movie? You want to tell us about the movie a little bit first, and then I'll tell you about the story, and then we'll mm-hmm. snack, and, and then, then we'll, we'll crime, and then we'll true crime. Pinocchio, the Disney's Pinocchio, at least, was released in 1940, and there was actually a live-action version released in 2019, which I think is more so follows the Adventures of Pinocchio, which you're talking about. Okay, I was about to say I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I don't want to. I don't need a real. The cartoon version is uncomfortable was, was enough weird enough for you mm-hmm. i don't know i kind of want to see it i want to see if it redeems it i don't know for me probably won't probably probably not um but yes i did sit down and and watch pinocchio yesterday and it starts off there's it's in italy and pinocchio or sorry geppetto is a puppet maker a wood carver what do you call those a puppeteer puppeteer and he has a cat named Figaro and a little goldfish named Cleo. And he, he's lonely. He, he wants a child. So he makes this boy puppet and he wishes upon a star. And it's the blue fairy star. And he wishes for her to come down and make his puppet into a real boy. How bad do you want to sing the song right now? Uh, well, yeah. Okay. I know you do. I, I really want to sing it. Um, we'll get to that in a second. The, uh, he names the the puppet pinocchio which actually means little wooden head <laughs> very, fun very fact. literal real, mm-hmm. we went with a real literal name there so yeah he wakes up and now he has this puppet who has come to life he treats pinocchio as his own son and he tells him that Pinocchio's gonna go to school n- the next day in the meantime there's this little cricket that comes in through the window you might know him as jiminy cricket and he is kind of the little angel on your shoulder, your conscious, if you will, that's supposed to 
the blue fairy gives him the job of being Pinocchio's conscience. So it's supposed to lead him down the right path. Pinocchio goes to school the next day. On the way there, he runs into a fox and a cat. The fox's name is Honest John, and the cat's name is Giddy. The, the cat is mute, which we'll talk about later. And they come up with this idea, and they basically tell Pinocchio that he can become famous and all this other stuff if he were to join this man named Stromboli, if, if he would have joined his puppet show, Stromboli's puppet show. And Pinocchio being naive, you know, he's got a brain made of wood. He's like, sure, sounds good. So they, they end up selling Pinocchio to Stromboli, and Pinocchio is in the puppet show, and that's where he sings his song. Um, I'm going to sing it now or later. Uh, I got no strings, Hannah, to hold me down. To make me fret or make me frown. You know what I'm saying? When you wish upon a star. or That's a different song, but <laughs> uh, I had strings, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. It's beautiful. Did that move you? It did. Um, there, later in the song, I already told you this, there's a part that goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you would woo, I'd bust my strings for you. <laughs> why, do I found, why do I feel like this is like a... Nicki Minaj, like mm-hmm. Megan, yeah, yeah, Megan. Yeah. If I would woo, I bust my strings for you. Um, anyways, already starting off. We just okay. Oh my goodness. Get, we'll get back to it. Stromboli after the puppet show, he takes all of the money Pinocchio made and doesn't give any to Pinocchio. Big surprise there, and he locks Pinocchio inside a bird cage. Thankfully, Jiminy Cricket finds him. So does the Blue Fairy, and. This is the part where Pinocchio's nose grows and and she tells him that in order to be good and the thing that she wants him to do is to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. That that's his goal. And he has Which to those be those are good goals. He has to be those things to become a real boy. Yeah. And if he lies, his his nose will grow. Because a lie is how how does she say it? A lie is ob- just as obvious as the nose on your face. Does that make sense? Yeah. Something, something like that. She gives some quote that explains why. And he tells is. some bad lies. So Jiminy Cricket helps him get out of the cage. And they're on their way back home when, again, they run into Honest John and Giddy the cat. And this time, the proposition is Honest John tells him about Pleasure Island, where he can go. And it's an island filled with... A bunch of boys where they just do anything they want. They smoke, they drink, they, um, they tear up they everything. Yeah. Just, just Whatever it they sounds like a fun time. And they sell him to this coachman that will in turn take him to Pleasure Island. The thing about Pleasure Island is after you're there, after a certain amount of time, you turn into a donkey you turn into a jackass because you're doing a bunch of jackass things. Makes sense. Um, Pinocchio's friend, he meets that while he's there, his name is Lampwick. And him and Lampwick are shooting pool and drinking and smoking or whatever when they start to turn into donkeys. And then they find that the donkeys are being sold to a salt mine. And that's how the coachman is making money and why he's bringing all the boys to the island. I I know it's a twist. I know. It's a twisted weird thing. And it's so sad. And this part always creeped me out as kids. Those little poor, the little donkeys are all dressed in the little boys clothes and they're scared and getting sold. And it's just, it's what nightmares are made of. I mean, it's a good like 
forewarning to children where it's mm-hmm. like, if you do whatever you want, you're going to turn, turn into, into an a ass. donkey and have to work the salt mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's terrifying. But Pinocchio escapes. Um, Jiminy Cricket is there to help him again. And he jumps in uh, to the ocean to escape. He go, wants to go back home and find Geppetto. However, Geppetto has been lost out at sea looking for, looking for Pinocchio. Pinocchio. In the meantime, while he's out there looking for Pinocchio, he gets swallowed by this huge, ginormous whale named Monstro. So Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio go and find Monstro. They get inside Monstro, and in there is Geppetto. And somehow Figaro and Clearo are both there, which Why I, don't, not? I don't understand how they got there. And Pinocchio, even though he's stupid... And every other aspect of his life, he comes up with this plan to make Monstro sneeze so that they are blown through the, so they can get out yeah. if, if he sneezes. So they're washed ashore, and the thing is, Geppetto lives in Figaro and Cleo, but Pinocchio actually dies. He's, it shows him face down in the water. And because he did this as, again, an act of true love or selflessness, the Blue Fairy comes back, brings him back to life. Because in those actions, he, he was, was brave, he was truthful, and he was unselfish, and he is now turned into a real boy. And he he, don't, he certainly doesn't have any strings as a real boy. Nope. Because he's not a puppet anymore. And side note, I've always wanted a black and white cat named Figaro. I like that. You Walt that. Disney's favorite character in the entire movie was known to be Figaro, and he even later put Figaro as Minnie's cat as her oh, pet because he liked that. him so much. Mm-hmm. So that is a... V- summary of the cartoon and i do think you know the whole the whole point or premise of pinocchio was to teach young kids to tell the truth and to be honest and to be brave and to respect their parents and they would get you know rewarded for that or that that's how you would live a good life and i think the movie does that more in terms of like pinocchio just kind of is naive and is making bad decisions but in the book it just comes across as like why Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more like sub there are a lot more subplots in the book which is normal for just books Mm -hmm. versus movies anyways but it is like bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision he never learns in the book no it doesn't Mm -hmm. i mean it doesn't seem like it but just uh, we'll get talk about the book. Some some fun facts about the Disney version of Pinocchio is that it took twelve artists eighteen months to come up with a cartoon version of Pinocchio because it was really hard to make him look like a puppet, but also make him look like yeah, a boy. I was looking at um, I was actually looking at some of the original photos, and it is it's it yeah. Also, I feel like that should have been an indication to you that this was going to be a challenging story. Mm-hmm. Um, Cliff Edwards, he was 43 at the time. He actually auditioned for the voice of Pinocchio, but they were like, you're 43. You don't sound like a little boy. So he was actually is the voice of Jiminy Cricket. The film cost 2.3 million to make, which was about as twice as much as Snow White. And it earned back less than 2 million during its initial run. It wasn't that popular. And they, they kept re-releasing it and re-releasing it and it became more popular, but it did win two Academy Awards. It won an Oscar for best score and then best song for When You Wish Upon a Star. Which I feel like is a class. I mean, that is one of the classics. Honestly, yeah. I know the songs more than I know the story. Mm-hmm. In the movie, we always kind of go back over some of the quotes 
and we want to put these on t-shirts so two of the quotes that i thought were interesting or not interesting but are these quotes from the movie version mm, or the book version the, the movie okay because i had some from the book version too that I, was, um, I thought and i funny. didn't write down who said this um i think it i think pinocchio said it. he said being bad is a lot of fun ain't it i love that and then one uh jiminy crickets i forget who he's talking to but he says you impudent young pup <laughs> i love that i would wear that uh, on. i would wear that on a t-shirt but tell tell me about Le adventure de, de pinocchio so um i did not read it in italian you didn't no i didn't i wish i wish mm-hmm. i could speak italian we, are, we failed but it is a italian story by carlo Collati, uh written originally written in 1881 it was called The Adventures of Pinocchio. It is the second most published book next to the Bible. Or it's either, it's either second most published or translated. It's published. Which which is mind-blowing. I, yeah. And I, I thought I thought the second one was Harry Potter. I thought Harry Potter had... It's Harry not. Potter it is Pinoc- des- Harry Potter deserves it, to have surpassed sh- Pinocchio at this it, point. It should have, but it's not. It is Pinocchio, which is mind-blowing. Yeah, I don't understand that. And I think we need to set that record straight Mm -hmm. according to alessandro vegni i'm not gonna say these right a computer expert who's been comparing this tale with maps and historical documents this story is set in the tuscan village of san miniato basso Mm -hmm. sounds lovely it is uh between pisa and florence so i guess leaning tower pizza Mm -hmm. right sounds it's, sounds nice. It does sound nice. Let's add that to the list mm-hmm. of places we want to go. And originally, the village's name was Pinocchio, which, why did you name the village Little Woodenhead? Uh, there's a bunch of little wooden-headed just, people just, in they there. They just thought everybody was knuckleheaded. Mm-hmm. At this time, so around, you know, 1800s, 1880, children's literature was kind of newer, um, especially in terms of, like, publications. They were starting to publish more children's stories possibly because of grim brothers so like mm-hmm. we talked about them that we like them a lot so it could be that Kaladi was inspired by them and kind of was trying to do his own italian version mm-hmm. that's okay we're inspired by them yeah true so that that's kind of potentially grim is kind of the first one that opened the doors for a lot of people in terms of children's literature mm-hmm. and in terms of opening the doors for disney obviously when we talk about this, Disney cuts a lot of the stuff. Some of the dark, they cut some of the darker stuff. They cut some of the mythological aspects to things. Sometimes, Walt Disney was quoted as saying, "Pinocchio is too cocky, too much of a wise guy, and too puppet-like to be sympathetic to the audience." Mm, so he watered him that, down. That's exactly how I felt when I was reading the book. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Nobody I will like him." Do not want to finish this story. Mm-hmm. I am so annoyed by this character. I, I didn't I didn't have any sympathy for him <laughs> in all of the bad situations he got himself into. I did not feel bad for him at all. Even when I was watching the Disney movie, because he keeps because he's just naive. I, he keeps making the same mistakes. But but they play it off in the movie more as that he's naive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there is no way you have not learned your lesson at this point. Mm-hmm. There's no way. In the book, he's naive and he's a jerk. No, yeah, I, yeah. In the book, I definitely lean more towards like you are just a punk. Like you're mm-hmm. just you're just taking advantage of people who love you, mm-hmm. and that ma- I think that's what makes me mad is he takes advantage of. I felt like he took advantage of his father, mm-hmm. who like loved him and cared for him. And every every time his father did something great for him, he was like, Meh, I'm just gonna do something horrible to you. Mm-hmm. Not only was like the character just of Pinocchio just more 
not sinister. I mean, he's not sinister, but the story itself was just more twisted. So not only Pinocchio was he a little bit rougher around the edges, but the whole story and a lot of the situations he got himself into were a little bit more dark. There was, there's talk that Kaladi was inspired by the famous philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And he's someone who talked, who had a lot of philosophies about education. Uh, his Probably his most famous or revolutionary discussion was on social education and how children learn and consequences, like natural consequences versus punishments and things like that. Rousseau once said, let them learn nothing from books, which they can learn from experience. So he was very much like an experiential mm-hmm. learner. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let them make mistakes, even if it hurts them type thing. Right. Because that's how you learn the best mm-hmm. is you learn from, from your experiences, mm-hmm. which is probably why in the story, Pinocchio has experience after experience after experience where it's all negative stuff. Yeah. So, so the story starts off and I, I love this, you know, the classic once upon a time, uh, this one starts off with once upon a time, there was a piece of wood, <laughs> I, which I just, I thought that was funny. There's, it's not like a once upon a time, there was a you know, princess or a child or no, it's once upon a time, there's a piece of wood. <laughs> Literally first chapter two is called the piece of wood that laughed and cried like a child. Okay. Which is terrible. That's scary. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with this piece of wood. Starts off with the wood carver named Antonio. It's Italian. It is. And he is carving wood to make a table. So he's just a normal carpenter. He's mm-hmm. not, not a puppeteer. Not a puppeteer. When he's carving the piece of wood, the piece of wood starts to yell. So he freaks out. He's looking around like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Realizes he's been given a magic piece of wood. And decides he can't do something basic like build a table with this. So he decides to um, help his poor neighbor, Geppetto, who is looking, who wants to start a career as like a puppeteer. He wants a marionette. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have any children or family. So he thinks, I will make a puppet for this neighbor out of this magic piece of wood since the Mm -hmm. wood can talk. I guess logical connection. I can see that. Pinocchio is just a punk from the start. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he is made uh, and given to Geppetto, the first thing he does is kick Geppetto in the in the shin and he just runs away. Mm. You hate to see it. Uh, like immediately, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The he, So he's out just running around in the town. The police think that Pinocchio has been mistreated by his father. So Geppetto like immediately kind of becomes this like father figure. Mm-hmm. And the police think that he's being mistreated by his father, and that's why he ran away. So Geppetto gets arrested. Um, Sounds for freaking Geppetto. I know, and he is—he is the sweetest character in the book. Mm-hmm. Everything he does is for Pinocchio, because he does treat him like a son and not like oh something that can make him money. Mm-hmm. Pinocchio just you know doesn't really care. Doesn't really care about the action. You know the consequences of his act- of his actions. He eventually returns home. And is kind of influenced by this talking cricket. They never name the cricket. He's just the talking cricket. He's just a talking cricket. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why he doesn't really get a name. He, the cricket kind of becomes this conscious. He warns Pinocchio that if he doesn't start acting better, things aren't going to go well for him. Tells him he needs to treat his father better and things like that. Pinocchio is annoyed with the cricket and picks up a hammer to throw at the cricket and kills him. 
They, which they left that out. Yeah. So they, that's one. That's why the cricket doesn't get a name because mm-hmm. he doesn't live very long. And in the book, it says he didn't mean to hit the cricket. He meant right. to just like hit the wall next to the cricket, whatever. That's like so, um, Dobby when he um, throws that knife. And he's like, I didn't mean to kill her. Just yes. severely maim. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> good aim because you did kill mm-hmm. him. Geppetto eventually gets released from jail. He comes home to try to take care of Pinocchio. Pinocchio at one point uh, is taking a nap by the fire. Wakes up and his feet have burned off. Because mm-hmm. he's wood. Yeah, because he's a little boy and made he's wood. dumb. He begs Geppetto to make him a new set of feet. I mean, just like no recognition of like, oh, that was my bad. I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. Just immediately demands that Geppetto makes him a new set of feet. They're not super wealthy. So Geppetto doesn't have the resources to immediately make him shoes or immediately make him new feet. So he kind of lets Pinocchio wait for a minute before he eventually does it. But he does. He eventually agrees to give him a new set of feet as long as he agrees to go to school. So I'm going to give you some feet. You better walk your butt to school. Mm-hmm. Pinocchio agrees, but again, for just, he think he thinks, well, yeah, I, yeah, I deserve to go to school. I deserve to learn. I'm a, I want to be a boy. He, but he's like, but I need books. Like I need books for school. So Geppetto sells his jacket to his buy Pinocchio books, jacket. his only jacket. And people in the town, like, later, like, throughout the book, talk about, like, oh, we saw Geppetto shivering on the street corners. Mm. On the way to school, uh, Pinocchio ends up selling his books to get tickets to a puppet show. The books that his father bought him father selling his only jacket. Yes. And it just makes me so mad. So, puppet show, like the movie. Yes. And puppet show, like, I mean, Pinocchio himself Mm -hmm. is a puppet. So uh, Pinocchio goes to the puppet show. The puppets like in the performance recognize Pinocchio mm-hmm. and it messes up the whole show because the puppets are out of character and they're talking to Pinocchio who's in the audience. The puppet master gets very angry, which the puppet master is visually described as ter- being terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like he's big, long black facial hair. He's got the like sticks or whips or thumps in it, something in his hand he he's he sounds like belschnickel mm-hmm. which if you don't know who belschnickel is From go back to the christmas episode christmas episode or go watch the office so he so he's described as being visually terrifying he he does have a little bit of uh a positive he has a little bit of sympathy for pinocchio originally the puppet master wants to punish Pinoc- pinocchio for ruining the fire or for ruining the play and he's going to do that by turning him into firewood Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm just going to throw you into the fire. But he's not, he's nice to him. Right? He is because Pinocchio basically gives him the sob story. Like my father sold his jacket and bought me books mm-hmm. and I sell my books. And he makes this puppet master feel sympathy for him. So eventually the puppet master lets him go, which the puppet master can't cry. Mm-hmm. So the way he shows sympathy is he starts sneezing, which I mm-hmm. thought was funny. So instead of him crying, like he starts sneezing and the, the other puppets are like, oh, that means he feels bad for you. Oh. There you go. Interesting. I'm going to start sneezing instead of crying. Yeah. Also, the um, puppet, didn't the puppet master give him money? Yes. And at one point, the puppet master, like, threatened to throw a different puppet in the fire. Just not a nice guy. Mm. 
But yes, he releases Pinocchio. He gives him money and says, okay, like, go home to your father. He cares about you. Here's the money that you lost. Mm-hmm. And he has a chance at redemption. Yes. Yeah, so ch- this is a, yes, chance for redemption. But on the way home, so he never made it to school. And he doesn't make it home before he makes another mistake. On the way home, he runs into a fox with a hurt leg and a cat who is deaf. So, connection to Disney's Pinocchio, where you've got the cat that's mute. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if the, I, I don't know if this happens in the movie, but in the book, the cat, the fox with a bum leg is—they're both liars. Mm-hmm. So the fox's leg is not broken, and the cat's not deaf. Like. The cat in the book answers questions mm. that he hears. I, th- I think in the movie, yeah. They're G- like, they're con. Gippy, they're con Gippy is mute. And he's kind of, um, they kind of, either Snow White inspired this or they this inspired Snow White. He's kind of modeled after Dopey. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. He reminded me of Dopey, the cat does. So so these two, these two animals are, they're cons. They con Pinocchio into, they find out he has gold coins they con him into giving them their gold coins. They tell him that there's a field where they can bury the gold. He can bury his gold coins and they'll grow into trees and he can make a profit. Like he can like double or triple his mm-hmm. five coins. So they get him to do that. He take, they go to dinner before. So they're like, okay, like we'll go first thing in the morning. They stop at this inn. We'll go first thing in the morning to this field. We'll show you where it is that night. They go to a big fancy dinner and they're like, all right, this is great. They're like staying at an inn or something. They say, we'll meet you in the morning. When he wakes up to go to the field and plant his money, they have left mm-hmm. and the they make him pay for, his, for the dinner that they had. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't have any, so he has to give up some of his money because they conned him into the dinner and then but he still tries to go meet them with whatever coins he has left. Mm-hmm. So he's already lost some of his money. Goes to try to meet them to plant his coins. They said, oh, we just went ahead. You know, They told the innkeeper, oh, we just went ahead. Tell him to come meet us. We'll meet him there. Well, they went ahead of him and disguised themselves as robbers. Mm-hmm. So when Pinocchio gets there, he's attacked by these assassins, I think is what he calls them in the book. Mm-hmm. He fights them. One of them, he ends up biting off their hand. Ouch. Not in the Disney nope. version. And I think they eventually steal his money. So again, he's no money. But mm-hmm. He's been conned. He's been cheated. He's been attacked by these assassins or robbers. He eventually finds a house with the fairy with azul hair. So it's kind of like the blue fairy? Yes. Mm -hmm. So instead of her hair being blue, they make her dress blue. And he goes to the house, which this is, this part was the creepiest to me. So he goes to the house, like he knows that she's there. He's going to ask for her help. When he gets there, he's like at the window of the house, like taps on the window and tries to talk to somebody. And she says, nobody's here. Everybody's dead. (laughs) And he's like, what about you? Like, you're talking to me. And she's like, I'm dead too. I'm just waiting for my coffin. Oh, jeez. Isn't that terrifying? I don't like that. So he doesn't really get her help. They, he had momentarily gotten away from the robbers. She was, he was trying to get help from her. Without her help, he's just back on his own. The robbers eventually catch back up with him and hang Pinocchio. 
from a tree from a tree they just they tie him up and hang him mm-hmm. and that's originally where the story originally that was ended it. yes pinocchio died yes and mm-hmm. moral of the story was, we kind of like the way that ended uh, uh, and that was like not just oh and then they added another chapter to finish out the story because that was kind of a depressing ending they he added like 15 more chapters after because the public was like no we need justice for Pinocchio. Honestly, the story should have ended there. He That's where Pinocchio did. I, I mean, I do jerk. think it. I don't know. I mean, no one likes it when your main character dies in the end, but that's where it was originally supposed to end. But, it but didn't. he added more because people didn't like the ending, mm-hmm. which it still gets the point across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't make dumb decisions and you won't have dumb consequences. Right. But they added more. So. The fairy, the fairy with blue hair, comes, and this, and I feel like from here it just gets weird. It does. I mean, it it's, already was weird. It's comical to me. It already was weird, mm-hmm. you know, with the puppets and the, the cats. Okay, but from here on out, it's like, there's a bird and a shark. Tell, and tell a, us about it. So the fairy with blue hair, she sends a hawk to cut Pinocchio down from the tree and help him mm-hmm. and, like, bring him back to her. So this bird... She comes out of nowhere, helps him. He gets, or she helps him get doctors to to assess his injuries and figure out if he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the doctors is a crow. Okay. One is an owl. Both wise creatures. And the third one is the ghost of the cricket that he killed. All right. Sure. Which I'm like, if I were that ghost of that cricket, I'd be like, I'm not helping you. Mm-hmm. And be like, hit what he needs is um, a bottle of cyanide and put him Which, right to sleep. <laughs> but she she offers to give him medicine, and mm-hmm. he's like, I don't, I'm not going to take it. I can't take this medicine; it's too bitter. And she's like, Well, here's a sugar cube, and he's like, I don't like the cup that it's in. And oh, she's gosh. like, Okay, well, here's a different cup, and he's like, I can't take it from because I'm too tired. I mean, it's like she's he, the worst. He gives her like ten different reasons why he can't take this medicine, and I'm like, Just take the medicine. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Uh, four undertakers show up with a coffin because they're like, okay, if you don't take this medicine, you're going to die. Uh, the undertakers are rabbits. Sure. Why not? The fairy uh, wants to, she, now that once she gets, and he eventually takes the medicine. She's trying to get to the bottom of what happened. So she's asking him about his coins. Like, didn't your father give you money? Like, where did this money go? When she's supposed to be going to school? And this is when he starts to tell these lies. So the whole first half really is not is not a story of like telling lies. Mm-hmm. It's a story of making poor decisions. So it's really not till the second half till we get the famous nose. Mm-hmm. But not growing. only the nose. No, she starts to tell him the importance of telling the truth. She tells him that there are two types of lies. One will make his legs grow shorter, and the other one makes his nose grow longer. But he, he chooses the lies that make his nose grow longer. Yeah, and I don't know what the difference is between those two. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember if he if she specified which one was which. But mm-hmm. so he every time he tells tells a lie, his nose gets longer. He gets upset. He, like, can't move around without knocking something over or poking mm-hmm. somebody or things like that. She decides to help him out, and she calls on her bird friends again and gets a bunch of woodpeckers to come help him return his nose to original size by like just pecking his nose. Yeah. And, no. and they just chisel it back to the normal size. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't remember that in the Disney. Is it, or no. The, I don't remember that either. It just goes back down. Uh, at this point, the fairy has basically become like a mother figure to Pinocchio. She invites Geppetto to come live with them because, again, Geppetto is kind of the father figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has literally been searching. Like It keeps kind of periodically mentioning that he's just been searching all over the country for him. He's about to get in a boat and like sail across the ocean to try to find him because he's been looking for him Poor everywhere. Geppetto. And it talks about how he's like he's like cold and shivering oh. while he's out on the streets looking for Pinocchio. Pinocchio wants to be reunited with Geppetto because every time he makes a bad decision, he's like, "Oh, father, father, help me, help me, help me!" Like he just keeps asking for his dad to fix things for him. They leave their house to find that Geppet to find Geppetto because they're trying to all reunite. And the, on the way, try, him, he's trying to go find Geppetto because Geppetto's trying to find him. On the way, they run into the fox and the cat again. Freaking that fox and that cat are everywhere. They are. And, you know, the cat's missing a hand because Pinocchio bit it off last time mm-hmm. he saw them. And he's like, cat, why are you missing a paw? And he comes up with some story about why he's missing a paw. Mm, he didn't remember. Like, no, he, well, he just didn't put two and two together. Once again, they con Pinocchio into coming to the field of uh, miracles to bury the coins and it would grow and, you know, multiply his money because mm-hmm. the fairy gave him money to go find Geppetto. And once again, he swindles his coins away. Uh, yeah. And they time. take his coins again. Again. And see, it's just like, I'm like, just in the story here, like he keeps going into all these different things. He, on the way to the field, or of miracles, whatever they called it. He runs to the courthouse nearby the city, and he, or this is, I guess, after he's lost his money. Mm-hmm. He goes to the courthouse. He's like, I'm going to report it so that they can get in trouble. The judge is a gorilla. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like. Are we a, reading Dr. Doolittle? Right. Yes. I feel like a better judge animal would be like a an owl. Yeah, keep with the bird theme, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. He explains everything that happened with the fox and the cat to the gorilla judge, thinking that the fox and the cat are going to get in trouble, but the judge punishes Pinocchio for being, He's like, nah, you an, being idiot. an idiot. Yeah, Pinocchio gets thrown in jail for four months. This also has to cover a broad span of time. Mm-hmm. So he's just chilling in jail for four months. He eventually gets out, goes back to the fairy's house because she helped him. Mm-hmm. She's no longer there. When he goes back to her house, he finds a gravestone okay. where she died. And I think it said something, too, like... He, where he I, thinks she died. Well, because at one point there was... It said something like, I was abandoned by Pinocchio and then I died. Oh. We're like... Oh, so she on said her, she dies. Because he finds her later. Well, I mean, the cricket came back, too, mm-hmm. so... They mm-hmm. just bring back all their dead. They but, don't even explain she, it? No. But she had said... Like, it had said on there, like, I was abandoned by Pinocchio and then I died. Once you're a fairy, why do you need... Mm-hmm. Anyway, he is upset. He's crying. A pigeon hears him. <laughs> the pigeon's like, hey, do you know a little boy named Pinocchio? And Pinocchio's like, oh, I'm Pinocchio. He says, oh, well, his father, Geppetto, is looking for him. He's building. I told you he eventually looks all over the country to where he can't find Pinocchio. So he builds a boat to go to a different country and look for Pinocchio there. Okay. He gets on the boat. He's going to look for Pinocchio. This pigeon's like, I'll take you to him. Uh, Geppetto is out at sea, look, you know, sailing somewhere else to look for Pinocchio, gets hit by this big wave, it crashes, 
gets swallowed by a shark. I think it's a shark in this one, not a whale. Mm-hmm. Pinocchio is going to look for Geppetto. Ends up on the island of Busy. The island of Busy. Which is just an island where everybody's doing chores. Everybody's working all day. Pinocchio is starving. So he's like, I can either work and earn money to get food or I can beg. And so he Mm. decides to beg. And every time he asks somebody for money, they're like, well, hey, if you can help me do this chore, I'll give you food. And he's like, I don't want to do that. That's too heavy. That's too hard. That's too long. Like, he doesn't want to do anything. And I, this was one of the quotes I liked from the book, that there's one guy who's like, okay, well, if you're really hungry, like, help me do this chore and I'll feed you. Like, if you're that hungry, you'll do it. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. And he's like, all right, fine. He tells him to eat. He says, uh, eat two slices of your pride and just hope it doesn't give you indigestion. <laughs> that burns. It does. And I like it. And Pinocchio's like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. He still doesn't do the chore. Yeah. You, do, you don't want indigestion. They don't have tums in this oh. story. Which is the island of busy in... In the movie, just the it's just the pleasure. island of toys. So that's the next island that he ends up on. So he eventually, I think he eventually does a chore, chore uh, two. a chore to get some food. Uh, the I, the fairy mm-hmm. shows back up somehow. Uh, she's uh, she comes back on the island, promises to help him, and she's again this mother figure and tries to get him to go to school. Which you saw that went last time. Mm-hmm. She also tells him if she if he does what she says. And he, if he's good, she'll turn him into a real boy. Okay. He does go to school for a little bit again, but probably just for selfish reasons. He wants mm-hmm. to be, he couldn't, he wouldn't go to school if his dad asked him to, but if she, if he gets a reward, he, he'll go. So he goes to her school for a little bit, but he becomes friends with a, a boy named Candlewick, which I think, or, or Lampwick is sometimes what it's, people say. It, it's Candlewick. And then the Disney movie is Lampwick, mm-hmm. which same thing, candle mm-hmm. lamp. Candle lamp with. Yeah. And this boy is the one who tells Pinocchio about Toy Island. Mm-hmm. So he has a friend who's a bad influence. They go spend five months on Toy Island, which is supposed to be like this land of pleasure mm-hmm. where they can just do whatever they want. There's toys there. They can play. There's a circus. There's mm-hmm. just all sorts of fun things. Like the like Pleasure Island in the movie. Yeah. And I don't know why this makes me think of Toyland from... Um, that Christmas movie it has Toyland in it. Oh, the land of misfit toys. Oh, That's yeah. honestly where Pinocchio should have ended mm-hmm. up. So they go to Toyland. They are just having a grand old time. He, I guess, doesn't realize the consequence of what happens if you just waste your life away here because he just wakes up one morning and realizes that he has grown these donkey ears. So he's slowly turning into a mule. Mm-hmm. By the end of the day, he is fully a donkey. So he wakes up and he's got ears. At the end of the day, he is a donkey. Mm-hmm. He's sold to the circus. So it was the circus instead of the salt mines. Mm-hmm. And to a man who in, intends to put him to hard work. So he didn't want to do any work on the other island. But here he's he's going to be put to work. He ends up uh, tying a rope around his neck and throwing him into the ocean. Okay. Which is the same as killing him, but get... I guess yeah. if you throw a donkey in the ocean, it's not going to swim. Mm-hmm. Once again, Blue Fairy decides to save Pinocchio. I don't know why. She sends a school of fish to nibble the donkey parts off of him and this turn him back into a puppet. Just, I, like we I just keep going. I it doesn't make sense to me. The man who threw him in the ocean eventually pulls him back out when he sees that it's a boy. So I don't know if he just like freaked out and thought he accidentally threw a little boy into the water. Mm-hmm. 
Pinocchio escapes from this man by jumping back into the ocean and swimming away. This is when he runs into a giant dogfish. I think, uh, or a shark. Uh, in the I in the book, part, Geppetto had been swallowed by a shark. Uh huh. Um. No, he, he Geppetto is inside the shark. Yes, and and this Pinocchio gets swallowed by him also, and he finds Geppetto inside the fish. Which this is Monstro in the movie. Mm-hmm. They consolidate the stupid animal references here. The fish they eventually get out of the fish. I don't know if they made him sneeze like they did in the movie, but they make it back to land. When they get back to land, they're looking for shelter. They find a cottage, which is inhabited by the ghost of the cricket. He's just everywhere, living in all the places. And he lets them move into the house. Uh, he Pinocchio ends up working. Uh, I guess this cottage belonged, I think the cottage belonged to a farmer and the cricket lived there. Uh-huh. But Pinocchio finally ends up uh, working for the farmer who bought the donkey version of Candlewick. So Candlewick gets turned into a donkey. Uh, he turned into a donkey like Pinocchio. Yeah, but the... he didn't get saved because he didn't have a fairy no. godmother. And he actually has to watch Candlewick die because he's worked too hard as a donkey. Which is what, I mean, that's the the fate that he would have mm-hmm. met. But Pinocchio, does. he ends up working really hard. Like, he finally learns that lesson probably because he just saw Candlewick, the donkey version, die. Mm-hmm. He teaches himself to read and write. I guess they eventually gave up on sending him to school because he never went. He saves up money. He buys a suit. He is working, you know, he's put he's put himself together. He goes into town one day and he runs into a snail that he knew from the island of Busy. Mm-hmm. He talked to meet a bunch of snails on the road. And the snail tells him that the blue fairy is dying and can't afford her medicine and Pinocchio's last redeeming act is that he gives all of the money that he had earned while like working and you know being a real boy to the snail to buy the fairy's medicine mm-hmm. and the snail was not conning him this was an actually a good selfless thing good old selfless snail good old selfless thing because that night Pinocchio had a dream that he was kissed by the fairy and when he woke up he was a real boy Whew. The twists and turns and the mountains like and valleys. I don't I don't I didn't like it. I didn't like it. There were some funny parts where I was just like, what is happening? There's just so so many stories inside a story. Like we could have ended with just we could have just had one island. We didn't have to have two islands. No. No. And I thought, or, or and, all the animals. And like, I thought the fairy was dead. The blue fairy. There was and I that's what I need to go back and reread the end of it because like why do all these characters like die and then get back and then like come back to life? He just thought, oh, the readers won't remember that. I'll just <laughs> reinsert them later in the story. So, They're like, this is a horrible story. They they weren't really paying attention anyway. I guess I so I have a a, a PDF version of the text pulled uh-huh. up and like I said, I do like that it starts off with once upon a time there was a piece of wood that laughed mm-hmm. and cried like a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a it also tells you about some of the illustrations in here. <laughs> what is the one I just looked at? Uh, they're terrifying. I don't like them. I would rather look at... They arrive in the land of boobies? What? I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> what is that? There's another land? There's an know. island of boobies? What do they do on that island? I don't know. I gotta do some more research on those pictures. I don't want you to, but um, we need to go to a snack break. We do need to go to a snack Which, our snack break comes from the same place Talia. that Leo came from. 
Huh? Our snack break comes from the same place Pinocchio came from. I, yes, I just want to get off this story. I, it, well, I don't like it. I mean, not that not that what comes after the snack break is going to be pleasant either. It's the second most published book behind the Bible. I, I, I don't understand. People back in the day, the Italian people back in the day were like, dang. I, they were like, this, this is the great. best story Imagine ever. them thinking this is like how we view Harry Potter. Absolutely not. The Blue Fairy was like equivalent to Dumbledore. No. And Pinocchio was equivalent to Harry. No. no. Gosh. I hate, let's and move can, on. Candlewick is Draco. Lampwick, and they're all on the island of boobies. Okay, let's eat a snack. See ya in a sec. Snack break. It's a snack. Brought to you from Italy. Italy, the world's tastiest gelato. How do you say it? Lance Gelarto. Oh, it like, says Gelarto. Yeah. So it's called, the the brand is Gelarto. Mm-hmm. Should we try, um, we have two? We two got two. flavors. Uh-huh. I have tiramisu, a double shot of fret, fresh espresso, creamy Italian custard, and a generous sm- splash of Marsala wine. Oh, let's try that one first. And then we'll try mine. I have chocolate and hazelnut, but I guess we'll try the tiramisu first. And yours, the chocolate and hazelnut, it tells you how to say it in Italian underneath it. I'll butcher that. Nocciolata. Nougat. Nocciolata. Ooh, that actually, that sounded pretty good. Nocciolata. Which one are, we're doing tiramisu. Mm -hmm. It looks delicious. It's like a, it's like a, uh, in the jar, it's two-tone color. You've got Mm -hmm. like the caramel, like chocolatey look inside with Mm -hmm. little, you can see little flecks of like espresso beans in mm-hmm. it and then the custard side is me just like, like waiting a, for you because i can't wait to put this in and, i know oh. i was describing what it looks like <laughs> all right all right so first bite of tiramisu Ready one two three um she's dark she's strong yeah yeah i like that i think it's because i it does have a good strong coffee flavor mm-hmm. and i like coffee I didn't know tiramisu was coffee flavored. I don't eat a lot of tiramisu. I was about to say. Some people say tiramisu. I don't. Yeah, I said. And then some of the listeners are like, because that's how some of the people say it, because it's the correct way well, to say we it. we don't have it very often, so we don't know how to say it. I will say I prefer ice cream over gelato. You do? Mm-hmm. That's a difference. Full disclosure, I, what is, is there a difference? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't really taste that different to me. So that but was tiramisu. I, I was between two different brands because there was a brand that's really popular, the Tol- mm-hmm. Tolenti mm-hmm. brand, and they had a lot of different flavors and they looked delicious, mm-hmm. but it was made in New Jersey. Mm-mm. So then I saw some that's made in uh, Italy. Uh-huh. So I had to go for that. What's the next one? Chocolate and hazelnut? Yeah. The next one is chocolate and hazelnut, and it says... no. N-O-C-C-I-O-L-A-T-A. Nocciolata. Sure. Look, we're learning oh. a little bit a little bit of Italian. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mario. Oh, I'll wait for you. That, that last uh, tiramisu had some marsala wine in it, so now Lacey can't, mm-hmm. can't, can't make your hands No fine motor control. Right. Here we go. Here we go. Chocolate and hazelnut. Mm. Mm. I like that one better. Wait. Mm. I kind of got a woodsy note. For a second. Hmm. Hmm. You see that? You get like yeah. a kind of like a well, tree bark. Both of them. Vibe. It's not tree bark. <laughs> both of them. Mm. When you 
that's what we that's probably what would be the hazelnut is the nutty flavor see both of them first bite it's kind of like too cold Mm -hmm. to to get the flavor and they all start coming in and then you're like tree bark it's not tree bark it's good i like Mm. this i might like not that i know the difference between gelato and ice cream but i might like this better Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. don't i might don't don't you dare you ever met uh, chick-fil-a's ice cream all right anyways we got that because you know pinocchio's an italian story gelato's an italian dessert that's pretty good i give it i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten it's no unicorn cake you and you those unicorn cakes man mm, is going to town it's good i'm I like let's I'm, wrap I'm, it up true crime and she's just she, i know 10 spoons gonna, deep i'm just gonna let you uh talk about the true crime while i eat ice cream or while i eat italian gelato for the rest of the episode all right sounds good to me we'll, we'll see you guys in a few True crime. True crime. True crime. I have George in my lap. And let me just. Can you hear it? Oh, that's such a sweet sound. Now, can you hear it now that he's just sitting here? No, but he's no. clawing at the microphone stand. Yeah, he'll be all fine. Um, I took off his jingle bell collar. So. He loves, he loves some true crime. He does. So we'll let him sit here until he starts acting like a Pinocchio. Like a <laughs> Today I bring you a story. It's not a typical this, true crime story. Yeah, this one was kind of, this was a weird. It's just a weird thing I found. The th- I was telling Hannah earlier, the things that I have to type into Google. Yeah, your to, search history is. To bring you guys these stories is. Not pleasant. It's not pleasant. It's probably got you on some sort of serial watch killer list. watch list yeah. at this so, point. Um, what? Okay. Please hold. George has started to act like a hoodlum, so just give me five seconds. All right, so I've thrown George out, and we'll uh, continue here. So today I'm going to bring you the story of Florida Arthur, Florida's Arthur G. Dozier School for Boys. Which the photo that we have in our notes. Yeah, this is. It looks. After it, it was abandoned. Yeah, which it looks like a, you know, haunted place that you would go for halloween Mm -hmm. it looks it looks scary it does and it is scary so so tying kind of in the theme with pinocchio and the whole this is what gave me these vibes where pinocchio goes to the island of the pleasure island and all the boys turn into donkeys and are mistreated or whatever all the boys in this story were mistreated so that's kind of the whole land of troubled youth and how people are treated right that's the thing we're sticking with so we we're from Alabama. Florida's right below us. I had never heard of this mm-hmm. until I typed in some questionable things on Google trying to fit the theme of Pinocchio. But um, the thing that people say about this school, a quote that I read was, "Boys went in damaged and came out destroyed," which would also fit with the whole Pinocchio theme if we had just ended with him getting hung, mm-hmm. just destroyed by the end. But it, there's no chance for redemption or a rewrite for the end of this this right because this is reality and that's 
what we do here on the that's, podcast. We combine fairy tales with actual real life horror. Yep. It says so in our trailer. You can, you can write out the bad stuff of stories and literature and you can recreate it the way you want to and have a happily ever after. Not so much in the real world. Nope. So this school opened in 1900 as the Florida State Reform School. And surprisingly, after all the horrific stuff you'll hear, the school didn't close until 2011. Which, I, I mean, is right around the time we would have been uh-huh. in college. I mean, so yeah. it's not not crazy long ago. Uh-huh. And it was run by the Florida State government. It was a property of 1,400 acres, and it was just west of Tallahassee in the city of Mariana, Florida. That's a big property. Mm-hmm. Lots of places you could hide bodies, I'm just saying. Oh, gosh. For a while, it was the largest reef... Uh, see, I'm doing that thing where I think I'm British again. Almost reform. said reform school. <laughs> it was the largest reform school in the U.S. And I don't know about you, but I've never heard great things about reform schools. No, I do think there's a negative connotation to that for mm-hmm. sure. And we'll see why in just a second. The state stated their goal for the school was that it was a reform school where the young offender of law separated from vicious associates may receive the physical, intellectual, and moral training, be reformed and restored to the community with purpose and character fitting for a good citizen, an honorable and an honest man with a trade or skilled occupation fitting such person for self-maintenance. So that's nice that that was the goal. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't on the surface sound horrible, but I think when you pick apart some of those phrases and you see with it what's coupled with what happens there, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, so that's what you meant mm-hmm. by the physical training. So that that was their goal. Um, was it their outcome? No, but we can always start off with well wishes, I guess. Well, good intentions. There was a second campus that was open because of overcrowding in 1955, and it was open in Okeechobee. So they must have just had like a bunch of kids being punks that needed reformation. So well, they we'll come to find out one. it was kids that weren't even punks. Oh, great. That we're going there. So great. The government appointed five commissioners for the job of reporting on the school biannually. So there were, there were supposedly a system of checks and balances that were to like accountability. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, the responsibility of the school went to the Board of Commissioners of State Institutions, which consisted of the governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general, the comptroller, which I've never heard of. What is that? Mm -hmm. The treasurer, the superintendent of public institution, and the commissioner of agriculture, which (laughs) so that last person was like, let's bring in a former. Well, if you've got 1,400 acres, you might need that. Also, those are some big wigs. Right, and you would think we would have our crap together, and nope. but nope. nope. Originally, the school had both male and female students as young as five years of age. Okay, so that's me going back to the their stated goal, mm-hmm. the young offenders of the law. Mm-hmm. What law is a five-year-old breaking? Right. Okay, well, it's not all, um, again, the, the people that are put there are not all... Um, criminals yeah i just my mind went to offender of the law like Mm -hmm. okay a law but i guess some people are gonna tweak that definition and say oh well they lied Mm -hmm. and that they that's a a rule that they broke okay Mm -hmm. it's not a law i'm sure there were people sent there that were just known to be liars 
Females stopped being committed to the school in 1913, and a separate school was built for them. I never saw anything on the separate school, but anyway, most of the students who were committed to the school were only there for minor offenses, and other committed students were wards of the state or orphans, so they just had nowhere to go, so they sent them. They just pawned them off. Yes, which is so unfortunate for them, because as we'll see, it's not a great place. The campus was divided into two parts. It was known for being site one or the south side, which was for the white students, and number two or the north side, and all the uh, research on this, they called them that that area for the colored students, which now... Which, I mean, the time period for that, mm -hmm. it would have made sense that they they were segregated. And the school remained segregated until 1966, and of course, as you can imagine, all of this, the students, I'm using that term lightly, were treated poorly, but the black students were treated even more poorly, where the white children were given like more vocational chores and things like that. They made the black students go out in the field and do like manual labor. Yeah. Which that, that in and of itself is horrible. Right. But it didn't stop there Mm -hmm. north of the campus which would have been um where the black students were living was a cemetery which is weird to have on the campus of a school anyway just imagine your high school having a cemetery out back i don't that (laughs) that would scare me into Mm -hmm. not wanting to break Mm -hmm. any rule if they're like we just bury the kids out back who are bad yep oh gosh there were students known to be buried there however it was only I don't remember the number, but the number that actually died there that were undocumented, the bodies, we'll get into it, but they found a lot more bodies than there were crosses for and undocumented, and it's just not good. Right away, as soon as the school opened, it was known for abuse, abusing the students, abuse including torture, beatings, rape, and as we'll see, even murder. Like, hello, they had a... Terrifying. They had a freaking graveyard in there cemetery in the back of the school so an inspection from 1903 which remember the school opened three years earlier in 1900 revealed that children were frequently chained up with in quotes leg irons and when they first started they had kids as young as five Mm -hmm. so just chained them to the bed during the day it was also known to i've never heard of this word peonage was also reported which was outlawed in 1861 and it is a term used to describe a form of debt slavery so some term some ways this would be used would be an employer compels a worker to pay off a certain debt by um doing slave work slavery type work yikes and this was going on at the school as I said earlier, the school had to open a second location because the school was known to be overcrowded, and especially on the African-American side, they were known to sleep two people to a small bed, sometimes even more, which at this age, we all know sleep's a really important thing. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're obviously not getting enough of it. A fire in 1914 in one of the dormitories killed six students and two staff members. Now, the thing about this is the superintendent would go around and lock all the doors on the building, even when he left. And on this certain night, he locked all the doors and went out for a night on the town, like drinking and stuff. And he would take the keys with him. So when this fire started, uh, some people were somehow able to escape. I think I saw where some of them went through like sunroofs, I guess, if you're on the top floor. But again, 
six students and two staff members died. And at the time, the the Pensacola Journal in 1914 wrote an entry, and I have it here, that describing the scene. The charred bodies of the unfortunate victims of the awful Holocaust were dragged from the bed of coals and ashes inside the walls of the burned building and placed under a tree at the rear of the building that had been killed by the fire. Of most of the bodies, nothing remained but charred lumps of flesh and bone representing the bodies and organs that had been roasted to an unrecognizable blackened mass. Two of the larger ones, however, retained the shape of the human body with all the vital organs exposed. In none was there the slightest semblance of a possibility of recognition. The entire city and country are horrified at the terrible disaster, which is perhaps the worst of its kind in the history of this state. Yikes. So it was a, it was a brutal scene. Uh, and who who referred to wow the, the the Holocaust though that went a little too far. I'm pretty sure the Holocaust was much worse than that with a bunch of a lot more victims. But yeah, but still a, a situation that could have been avoided if the person in charge had thought, okay, sure, like maybe you lock the doors if you're. I guess I guess their assumption was that they re- they thought people were going to run away. Uh-huh, but, he, but they locked you know, the you fire could lock, escapes. Yeah, they locked like, even the fire escapes was the problem. Yikes. In 1982, inspections revealed that the boys were hogtied and kept in isolation for weeks at a time. So we got 1903, we're, we're doing bad things, and then we fast forward to 1982 and still... the 80 years later. Mm-hmm. How are they still in operation after that fire? Uh-huh. So we're going to go over a bunch of people's different accounts survivors and kind of jump around on the timeline but that doesn't really matter just going to tell you the story a bunch of people's survivor stories so in 1929 an 11 room concrete block detention building was built and it contained two cells one for white men or young students and one for black students yeah we're using the term students because that's yeah. what they would have they was referred to school as but we don't in any way suggest mm-hmm. that they were actually teaching these kids anything right right so just um disclosure and this was later known as the white house it, it is a white little sh- um small building and this is where much of the abuse was would take place so if they would be punished they would be taken out to the white house um for their beatings and then after corporal punishment at the school was abolished in 1967, the building was used for storage. But up until that point, it was known for being a place of just absolute horror. And when they would go back and visit it, even in this day and time, if you were to go see it, there's blood all over the walls where they would beat these children. Ew. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't, lo- I don't like the connection to them calling it the White House. Like, the White House, in terms of presidency, is supposed to represent something that, like, lead your country mm-hmm. or guides the they just people. meant that it, it is you can look up a picture of it, it is just a little I know, shack sized white concrete building gotta be some symbolism there <laughs> in 2008 in response to all the allegations and the things that happened at the white house they did have the ceremony where they they closed it down and they put a plaque on the building kind of like a ceremonial type memorial plaque thing And ever since it had, well, until it closed, it remained empty. Many of the survivors have come forward telling their stories, and they themselves have named their group the White House Boys because of the abuse they received in the small White House um, on the property, which we just talked about. Across from the White House, there was this other structure room thing that they called the Rape Room. Good night. 
so that not only physical beatings and torture were going on, but there were boys who were also being raped on the property. One man told um, this newspaper that he was sent to the boys' school after he fled a Jacksonville orphanage where a woman was molesting him. So he did nothing wrong. He was just, you know, escaping another horde or run into another one. But he says after his first trip to the White House, he knew he would have been better off at the orphanage where yeah, he was being molested. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. Another guy, Robert Straley, his account, he was only 13 at the time of his abuse. He said he was on the entertainment list for the night. That's what he, because the guards were doing this for their entertainment. And he said that they were monsters. Oh my God, the things they did. Ooh, an entertainment list? Because mm-hmm. that's in quotes, like that he, that's mm-hmm. what it was referred to as. Another guy, Dick Collin his account he remembers trying not to scream because if if you made a peep while they were beating you they would just beat you longer and he remembers that they would make him lay his head uh, they would make him lay down on a bed on a pillow that was covered in all of the other people's blood snot and guts even guts where other people had been beaten they wouldn't change the pillow out or anything oh he described the pain as someone pouring boiling water all over him, and he said the guards would smile at him after they beat him. Owen Smith, in 1914, was sent to the school for wrecking a stolen car. He escaped with a friend in December, but by January, the school officials were telling his parents that Owen could not be found. And when Owen's parents left for Mariana to search for their son, I guess the school officials were like, crap, they're coming to get him, and we know he's dead. They got oh, a we, call. They, they, oh, he was dead? Or they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Plot, uh, I mean, spoiler alert. They got a call saying, his family got a call saying that he had been found dead under a house. And they said his body was so badly decomposed that it was hard to, ter- to determine the cause of death. So basically, he escaped. And the idea is that he hid under this house to hide from all of them and, like, died from the elements. So uh, dying under a old decrepit house house. is better than being tortured at this place the friend that escaped with owen however reports that he last saw owen running away from guards and the guards were shooting at him so i don't i guess maybe they shot him and could have stuffed his body under the house and they were trying to cover it up Mm -hmm. or something owen's family was unable to collect his remains because the school had already buried him by the time they got there so they just cover up cleared up all the evidence Earl Wilson was sent to the school in 1944 when he was only 12 years old, and he was sent on a larceny charge. He died 72 days later after arriving at the school, and he died because he was being detained in a 7-foot by 10-foot building known as the sweat box. Eight other boys were actually in the sweat box with Earl when he died. In the sweat box, there was a bucket for a toilet, a bucket for drinking water, and one set of bunk beds. And a light. I like how it added that. And they got a light. Some of the boys had been there for weeks at a time. And the doctor said that the cause of death for Earl was a head injury. But this was not consistent with the other boys' testimonies that had been locked up with Earl. The boys said that Earl died when school officials stuffed his nose with cotton as a punishment for smoking. Plot twist, four of the boys that were in there with him were convicted of killing Earl and sentenced to life in prison. Oh, my word. So they blamed it on, on the, the boys. Uh-huh. But that's a really specific thing to lie about, stuffing cotton up someone's nose. Yeah. Also, I don't... Yeah. I, 
Yeah. Just know. There's got to be enough evidence for other things that happened here that would lead to not thinking the boys are the ones that did this. This one really got me. One of the students said he witnessed a boy die because school officials had stuffed him in one of the large industrial dryers. They they dried, like, I'm talking like your drying machine, your washer mach- washer yeah. and your dryer. Yeah. They stuffed him in an industrial size one and turned that sucker on like you would your clothes. I, this place, I don't know how I haven't heard of this place. Jerry Cooper was sent to the school when he was 16 for one, running away from home. And when he was was running away from home, he was picked up by a Marine that went AWOL, and the Marine was driving a stolen car, which is really random, but okay. The judge charged Jerry Cooper with the car theft and sent him to the school. Cooper says he did his best to stay out of trouble, but after several weeks, he learned about the beatings firsthand. The school staff got him out of bed at 2 a.m. one day and took him to the infamous White House, where he says they threw him on a bed, tied his feet, and began beating him with a large leather strap. He said, the first blow lifted me a foot and a half off that bed, Cooper recalls, and every time that strap would come down, you could hear the shuffle on the concrete because their shoes would slide, and you could hear the shoosh, shoosh, bam. Cooper passed out, but a boy in the next room later told him that he had counted 135 lashes. I, I don't, the fact, too, that there are so many different stories from so many different... That are all similar. You, there are so many names on this list Mm -hmm. as if the school was not a prison enough there was actually a jail on the property known as the dark cell where boys were forced to sleep on planks and to be without sunlight i don't like all the names of these rooms either the white Mm -hmm. house the dark cell the the Mm -hmm. sweat house it's not disney world hannah In 1968, corporal punishment, as I said earlier, was outlawed in state-run institutions. In 1968, that's so interesting. I remember being in kindergarten, and we would get paddled. Uh, But but after that, it stopped. But that would have been in, like, 1995. Yeah. Is that not corporal punishment, getting spanked? I thought so. Okay. Well, we're in Alabama. We do do things a little different down here. A little behind the times. Real tired. But then... So the school was renamed Arthur G. Dozier School for Boys after it was named after a superintendent that had been there for a really long time. That year, government Claude Kirk visited Mariana. Governor. What did I say? Government. Same same thing. (laughs) Same thing here. Um, He visited the school and he found holes and leaking ceilings and broken walls, buckets for toilets, bunk beds crammed together to, to accommodate the overcrowding, no heat in the winter, just deplorable conditions. And he said it was a training ground for a life of crime because a lot of the people they discovered after all of this, that most of the people that went to the school and got out spent the rest of their life in like actual jail because well, it didn't yeah. reform them. It, no, it's it's making them harder and worser probably because of all the horrible things they went through. It probably mm-hmm. turned some of them like crazy. There was another juvenile court judge who toured the facility, which I don't see how all of these officials and governors are um, touring Touring the facility and and not shutting it down. Yeah, they're like, yep, that's bad. But anyway, this official from um, juvenile court, he he described the whole place as a monstrosity, which, yes. Yeah. He saw it as such a monstrosity that he never sentenced any of his boys there, any of the, the criminals in his court there again. 
Another said it was so understaffed that the boys were left alone at night, and because they were left alone, a lot of sexual perversion was common, so I'm sure the younger boys were being raped by or molested by the older boys, that type of thing. A year later, a reporter from the Christian Science Monitor visited the school, which again, how are all these I, people visiting the school? How are all these high officials visiting mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, this place is horrible. But we'll, like, just uh, let so somebody else, we'll just let somebody mm-hmm. else shut it down. Yeah. He found a 16-year-old boy named Jim, and he Jim was in solitary confinement. Jim had eaten a light bulb, then used this piece from the light bulb to start cutting himself, gashing his arms open. And they... And That's so this, this kind of reporter was on like, there. I'm just going to report it and then leave? I guess. Good night. In 1978, Jack Levine was teaching delinquent kids at a short-term residential center in Tallahassee. And he heard about the Dozier School, so he was like, I'm going to go tour that, as all these other people are doing. One Sunday afternoon in November, Levine drove up to the entry gate and showed his credentials. They let him in. He found a lockup facility at the back of the campus where he could see a long hallway lined with a bunch of metal doors. The hallway was really dark, and the whole place reeked of body odor and urine. And he asked the guard, are there kids in there? And the guard told him, yeah. you want to?" And then he told him, I want to meet one. And the guard was like, okay. He said the guard, this is just a side note, couldn't open the lock. He couldn't jimmy open the lock, so he went and got a holy Bible from his desk and opened the, hit, whacked the lock, and it opened up, which is the symbolism. Uh, yeah. I'd... Anyways, <laughs> fun fact. Inside... On a concrete slab, not a mattress, a concrete slab, Levine saw a very thin, small, frightened boy with a shaved head. He had on pajama bottoms but no shirt. And he asked the little boy how long he'd been there, and the boy shrugged. The guard said, he's been there for a while. And then the guard told Levine that the boy was locked up for his own protection, that the boy said the older boys were sodomizing him with a broom handle. Oh, my word. And then he, Levine asked, why is his head shaved? And then the guard said that the boy had been um, pulling out his hair, I guess, from all the stress. And he said, was he getting any help? And he said, we just passed the food in. Yeah, because food's going to help this Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Levine would later become known as a well-known child advocate. He went back and told his supervisor at his school about everything that he had found. And he brought the whole situation to the attention of an attorney. And in 1983, the class action named Bobby M. lawsuit was filed on behalf of the students at Mariana and two other state reform schools. And on the eve of 1987, the the trial that happened there, the state settled and they agreed to sharply reduce the population at Dozier and other ju- juvenile institutions, which uh, is great, but this doesn't last. Okay, but just reducing the population, mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, that's bad. That's not the only they problem don't, they here. They don't have enough beds to torture these kids in, so let's just decrease the number of kids. Yeah. Like, how does that not get just shut down? So it didn't last long. In 1993, uh, at this time, there were a bunch of teenagers who attacked these British tourists and um, killed them. And so, and this happened in Florida, and so the, the Florida people were just like, didn't have this happy feeling about young criminals and reforming them and stuff. And so in 1994, Governor Lawton uh, Childs asked a federal court to throw out the population caps at Dozier because they needed to put more of these young delinquents in there. Yeah. That, okay, so that didn't so last that, long. That didn't last long. 1987 to 1993, so that lasted, what, not even five years? Mm-hmm. 
there's this famous, uh, well, she's not a famous psychologist, but this story is famous from there. The, the psychologist Eugene Bird told about what happened when she went and visited there again, another visitor. She said first she saw a boy um, would lie down on a narrow hospital bed and stretch his arms out above his head and hold onto the bed's bars. And if he wanted, he could bury his face in a pillow. Then a staff member would whip the boys with a leather strap 22 inches long, four inches wide, and half an inch thick. The beatings were called paddlings, but they, they were beatings delivered with the full force of a grown man. They wear out the straps, beating the boys so hard. The psychologist bird went ahead to name the people who were giving out these beatings. That was a R.W. Hatton who was doing most of the beatings, and even the superintendent, Arthur Dozier, the future namesake of the school, would count the blows. So, so one guy all, was beating, and then the superintendent was standing there and counting out the blows. And the fact that it was the superintendent means he knew what his... It, it's not like he can blame it on, like, oh, we just hired some bad people. Like mm-hmm. It's like, no, you knew what was going on. He did, but he, he in, uh, later in an interview with the Miami paper, he would justify the beatings. He said, the spankings are a thing I detest. I abhor in truth. But we do have the responsibility for keeping overall control of all the boys in an institution of this size, as well as doing the most possible for each youngster. First of all, no, sir. they're not spankings. That's they're not. full-blown beatings. Also, don't call them youngsters. No, sir. No. Just no. <laughs> you should not be let anywhere near children. In February of 2007, there's this famous video. I, I watched it on YouTube. I couldn't see a lot, but it, it did go viral. And there is an 18-year-old boy named Justin Caldwell, and he's standing still in one of the dormitories of the school. A large guard comes up, approaches him, grabs Caldwell by the throat and slams him to the ground, leaving him unconscious with his head bleeding and then just walks off. Uh, the school superintendent and guard were fired for this, but just another one of those stories. Also, 2007. I mean, that, mm-hmm. it, well, the, clue, the school closed in 2008. So I, I know. What's weird about this is outsiders, because like we said, we had never heard of this. Outsiders had no idea that this was going on. And every year they make the boys decorate the grounds for Christmas. So people would come to the school to see Christmas decorations and see the lights. And not just Christmas decorations, but like religious Christmas. Like uh, nativity Nativities and, and angels mm-hmm. and... <laughs> Gives me the creeps. But I also don't know how people didn't know about this. Like, did it not talk about all these like psychologists and journalists and... How the school lasted as long as it did, I have no idea. In 2012, an archaeologist started working on the site, and you can... um, After it was closed? uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, they did this whole big excavation thing, and they discovered 49 grave sites at the school. That's what they've discovered so far. And there were no records in the school for when the boys were buried, and the school did not keep records of their death. So... They it find forty nine. Some of them were even un, when unmarked or graves. How or mm-hmm. where? It's nope. just nope. here's a list of the kids buried somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they only found like forty nine grave sites, I guess, with tombstones, maybe. But there, there were believed to have been about eighty one boys who died there, but their bodies are still missing. Yeah, because I guess they looked at the list of tombstones, mm-hmm. and they looked at the list of. Names. People who went, names of who went there and who left Mes- there. And they're like, 81 people didn't leave this place. So I'm pretty sure till this day, they are still searching for bodies on this 400, 1400 acre property. I told you at the beginning, that was, that's a big, a big property. And a lot of place to hide bodies. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Remember we talked about the White House boys, the, the group of survivors that call themselves that. They began to share their experiences and this information with um, the public. And this prompted Governor Charlie Christ to order a special investigation from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement in 2008 and 2009. The Governor Charlie Christ ordered a state investigation into the allegations of abuse, torture, and death that were going on at the school. And then the Florida Department of Law Enforcement interviewed the White House boys and former staff, but said, this gets me, said it couldn't find enough evidence to support the allegations. Honey, boo-boo, child, there's a cemetery yeah. on the property and a bunch of bodies they found. And, and they had that video. <sighs> I <clears throat> Also, can they not... Um, could they not excavate those bodies and like that, exhume those bodies and like look at the, they can, they can only exhume bodies with permission from family members or they would have. So that's one of the problem, the, one of the legal like red tapes they ran into. I was about to say, I, if my child mysteriously died at a reform school, I don't care what they did to get them sent there. I, I feel like I would be like, yeah, I guess they can especially get in touch if this with came, some of the families. Especially if this came out and they're like, okay, there was some sketchy stuff that happened. Like, yes, like, please look up their body and mm-hmm. tell me. Because I feel like you would find broken bones or blunt force traumas and, yeah. or stranglings or whatever mm-hmm. they did. Um, and I, I knew, do know some of the skulls they found did have bullet holes or some of the skeletons they found. So I guess that some of the families they couldn't get in touch with or they couldn't. I don't, I don't know how that works. Well, but some there of was, them were orphan. I mean, some mm-hmm. of them were orphans, orphans. Yeah, that were running away from orphanages mm-hmm. and ended up there. And so, I guess there was no yeah. family to contact. Yeah. So there was a lot of legal red tape to exhuming the bodies. I do know that. I didn't know this. Have you, you literature lady? Have you heard of the book The Nickel Boys? Uh, I have the same. I don't. I don't. I don't know the connection to this, but the, I mean, the same author wrote a book called The Underground yep. Railroad that. It, I've read, I haven't read the Nickel Boys, but it's on my book list, but I did mm-hmm. read, I read the Underground Railroad actually this past year. Oh, okay. So it was on Barack Obama's 2019 uh, Top Summer Reads, and it was written by the guy, like you said, that wrote the Underground Railroad called, um, his name was Colson, Colson Whitehead. Whitehead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he, did he go there? No, but he, he read about the, the White House boys and the, the Nickel Boys is a, is basically the white it, he's like telling story it's of, like historical fiction mm-hmm. kind of like base oh that mm-hmm. that has been on my list for a long time it's i've seen it on a lot of like top rated book read like book yeah. reading book club lists so he just changes the name around and the um and the underground railroad is like historical fiction that he takes obviously the historical aspect of the underground railroad and kind of fictionalizes tells a mm-hmm. story through there yeah so the nickel boys is the white house boys just fictional i guess and that is, um, it is closed down these days, but you can go look Thank at goodness. pictures and and things if you'd like to do that. Nope. I would not. We're, we're close enough. I guess we could go visit it. Nope. We will not. <laughs> I am shocked, though, that it was open for as long as it was. I Yeah. I, 2011 was not that long ago, and this was still going on. Which, and I, I'm going to add that book to my book list, though. So I, I do have, I've thought about... Uh, doing some we do some movie reviews over on we haven't done a single one yet we have a list of movie reviews there we go (laughs) to do over on our patreon and we've done some bonus episodes over there but i have thought about doing like a book club thing too because there are a lot of books related to the true crime aspect Mm -hmm. um adding the nickel boys to the list there's also a lot of books relating to disney and fairy tale retellings and stuff like that that's a great idea we're gonna you start that up i will 
Um, alright. So that um, finishes out January. And first month of 2021 in the books. There we go. We did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah, we did in that door of the Explorer. Anyway. <laughs> we'll bring you more next month. Sure Until will. then, you can find us on Instagram. You can find some photos, uh, show notes, information about episodes we've filmed, episodes that are coming up. Mm-hmm. You can put in requests for episodes. Like I said, this it, this episode was requested. We had several people reach out and express interest in the Pinocchio story. And you got it. It probably wasn't what you, what you expected. It probably wasn't. Um, but there you go. But you, you asked for it, so we delivered. Until next month. Until next month. Stay safe. Stay stay. Excuse me. Stay safe. Stay scary. And um, bye bye. Bye bye. And don't um, don't send your kids to reform schools. Please and don't don't, um, don't have little puppets that you um, turn into real boys. And, don't be a jerk like Pinocchio. Yeah, and don't get swallowed by uh, shark wells. And um, get don't okay. If you see a cat and a fox out on don't the trust them. street, don't don't do it. Yeah.